Let endless praise resound. Happy New Year. Happy New You. This is a moment in which we give God thanks and praise. Let's lift up our voice to Him in celebration. Hallelujah. God, you are worthy of blessing and honor and glory and praise. You are great and greatly to be praised. And we exalt you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's time to release 2019 and grab hold of 2020. And I believe God has great things prepared for us. There's a word of the Lord that God's given to us here at Cathedral of Faith about being courageous this year. It comes from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, and here's what it says. Be strong and courageous. Say that with me. Be strong and courageous. Let's say it again. Be strong and courageous. In fact, turn to somebody next to you and tell them, be strong and courageous. That's what God has for us. And here's what I believe is a word God's put in my heart to declare over you today about what he has in store for you. What God has in store for all of us. And for you personally, I believe when we walk out of this place today, there's something of expectation that's going to be raised in each one of us. Amen? Here's the title of the sermon. We're playing off of the 2020. And here's what it is. This is a year for courage that God can turn... It's time to turn oh no to oh yes. Oh no, I don't know how it's going to happen. I know, oh no, it's impossible. Oh no, I don't know how this can work out to oh yes. God's got something prepared. Oh yes, God is with me. Oh yes, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. We're going to turn that oh no to oh yes, amen? And I want you to believe with me for God to do great and mighty things as we move into this year. In fact, I have a passage of scripture the Lord's put on my heart. It comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35. It's a word God gave to his servant Isaiah to speak courage into the people of God when they were facing a transition. And I believe it's a word God wants to speak into your heart as you transition into 2020. And to help me out, I want you to help me read Isaiah 35. I'll read the first line, and then you read the indented part in yellow. Here we go. The desert and the dry ground will be glad, and the dry places will be full of joy. The desert will be very glad and shout for joy. Everyone will see the glory of the Lord. Strengthen the hands of those who are weak and help those whose knees give way. Because God is on his way to put things right and make right all wrongs. Blind eyes will be opened. Deaf ears unstopped. Lame men and women will leap like deer. And springs of water will burst out in the wilderness. Streams will flow in the desert. No lions on this road. 
No dangerous wild animals. Nothing and no one dangerous or threatening. And everlasting joy will be upon their heads. Tell those who are fearful, courage, take heart, God is here. Let's give him thanks and praise. This is the word of the Lord for you. This is the word of the Lord for us. And I want to unpack this today, let the Lord speak to us, and let something of courage rise up in us as we anticipate all that God has in store, as we say, oh yes, oh yes, to your will, oh yes, to your way. And so Lord, I ask right now in this moment, faith would rise, courage would rise, strength would rise, and that as the word of the Lord is declared, just as your Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write this thousands of years ago, Holy Spirit, come to every one of us today. Those of us who had a hard time hearing, help us hear from you today. Those of us who need that word to step into this year, those of us who are already discouraged and overwhelmed, come, Lord, and do something deep in our hearts and spirits. And my prayer, Lord, is that everyone who hears this in this room across campus, those who will watch it in weeks and months and years to come, something would rise up in us of your power, your grace, your perspective, your courage in your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Well, as you're being seated, turn to two or three people and say, be strong and courageous. I believe God wants to increase our courage this weekend, amen? amen? And there's several things from this passage of scripture that I think will help us know what to do and how to think and how to move into 2020 as we anticipate the courage to turn, oh no, oh no, oh no, to oh yes. First of all is the focus of courage. If you want to have courage, we center in God. The focus of courage is that we center in God. Now here's a really important truth about anything we need to produce in our lives. The good fruit that we develop in our lives is rooted in knowing who God is. Again, anything you need to have produced in your life of character, of insight, of relationship, of fruit... It comes by being rooted in, being focused on, being centered in God. Let me give you an example. You're in a situation that looks hopeless. And you need faith. God, I need faith to know what to do. But when I look at the circumstances, it's overwhelming. When I look at what people are saying, what people are doing, when I look at everything around, I can't have faith. But here's what happens. When I need to have faith, if I would just focus root myself in the faithfulness of God. When I see how faithful he is, how he never changes, how he has all power, how nothing is too hard for him, when I focus on the faithfulness of God, then the good fruit of faith is produced in me. In fact, one of the things you might want to look at is whatever you're dealing with, what is the characteristic 
The attribute of God that's important. Here's another one. If you need more love in your life, you got some people around you who are unlovable, don't punch anybody. <laughs> if you need more love, how do you get that? You just don't like muster it up. Like, oh God, I want to be more loving. No, you root yourself, you center yourself, you place yourself in this moment of looking at the love of God. When I see how loving he is, Despite my sin, despite my weakness, despite my shortcomings, he has unconditional love for me. He so loved the world, he sent his son to pay the price for my sin. If I need love, all I need to do is root myself in the love of God. And what happens is the fruit of love starts being produced in me. Because whatever you're rooted in is what you're going to produce. If you're rooted in your circumstances, if you're rooted in the opinion of others, if you're rooted in how you feel today... It's not going to produce good fruit. It's going to be faithless and loveless and fearful. In fact, that's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3 this wonderful declaration of what he was praying. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Because he's saying if you can stay rooted in the love of Christ, you're going to have love. So, courage. We want to produce the fruit of courage? Let's look at what the passage said in chapter 35, verse 4 of Isaiah that we just read. It said, strengthen the hands of those who are weak. Help those whose knees give way. Tell those who are fearful courage take heart God is here right here you notice what Isaiah tells us is the focus of those of us who are fearful and don't have courage it's focusing on God is here God is present it's his omnipresence he is with us he is with you that's how we get courage is be get rooted in the presence of God. The good fruit of courage comes when we're rooted in knowing that God is with us. In fact, when Joshua was struggling because he was supposed to go into the promised land with the people of God and he was really nervous and fearful about it, here's what God said to him in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. God said, have I not commanded you, Joshua, be strong and courageous instead of being terrified or discouraged? Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, it's the same answer all throughout Scripture. The key to courage, having the fruit of courage in our lives, is to focus, God, you're with me. You are with me. You are for me. You are here. And when you're not feeling courageous, when you're feeling discouraged, when you're feeling fearful, it's a matter of rooting ourselves, God. Give me courage by knowing you're with me. You are here. You are beside me. You are in me. You are for me. You are here. The way we have the fruit of courage is to root in the knowledge of the presence of God. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read these powerful words when it says, looking to Jesus, being rooted in Jesus, focusing on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If you want the faith to have courage, then what that means is we root ourselves in God. We root ourselves in his presence. We root ourselves in his purposes. Now, I don't know 
how you're facing 2020, but maybe when you look at the opportunities to come, it looks empty to you. God, there's, there's nothing there. I don't see anything. There's no possibilities. How is 2020 going to pan out? I'm feeling pretty dry, but God, you promised springs of water where there's dryness. I'm feeling like a desert, but God says, I'm going to give you a garden in the middle. I'm going to give you a garden in the middle of your desert year. God says, I'm going to turn, oh no, I don't know how this is going to happen to, oh yes, I am with you. Amen. Let's give God thanks and praise. I want to share with you a second insight from this passage of scripture, that the result of courage is that we overcome fear. When courage works in us, the result is we overcome fear. In that chapter, chapter 35, verse 9, we read these words. It says, no lions on this road, no dangerous animals, nothing and no one dangerous or threatening. Here's the promise of the Lord. When you walk in courage, you're going to be free from fear. In fact, fear and courage are related. Often if you want to know where you need to have courage, it's a matter of saying, what am I afraid of? Now, some of the images for courage, we often think of soldiers heading to Iwo Jima to put up the flag. We think of arm, armies and infantry, infantry going into Omaha Beach. Reality is you and I aren't going to face those kind of moments. I have to admit, for me, courage was a really scary word growing up as a follower of Jesus. I was fortunate to grow up in a home where people loved God. My parents were godly men and women, still are. And I had a great time during the holidays praying with them and celebrating life with them. And in 1964, we lived in Germany. And the three years that we lived there were powerful shaping years in my life. Because we were part of a church fellowship that was so powerful and amazing. Brothers and sisters, my parents' friends, my friends, who were seeking God and praying and asking for God's ultimate work in their life. And every year while we lived there in Europe, the week of Thanksgiving, from Monday through Friday, we would go up into the Black Forest to Berchus Garden, and we would hang out there for a spiritual retreat for a week. It was a week of worshiping the Lord and hearing from the Lord and praying and being at the altar. And they would always take the kids aside during some of the morning teaching sessions and give us our own teaching. And I remember clearly, as a young kid, they were teaching about courage. And they were giving us all the Bible stories of people who were courageous. And how you have to have faith to have courage. You have to have courage to have faith. And it was just back and forth of trying to increase our courage, increase our faith. But little did I know, that very week, thousands of miles south of us in the Congo, there was a family facing a crisis. Jay and Angeline Tucker had been missionaries for 25 years to the Congo. And that summer of 64, when they were home, they really wrestled with, should we go back? Because there was so much political unrest, so much unpredictability because of the rebel forces that were rampant there. And they prayed, and Jay said to his wife, I must go back. God is calling me, and I must trust him. 
And they talked about, is this safe? Is this wise? We have three kids. Are we going into a difficult situation that we shouldn't even go into? Should we go to some other place? And God said to Jay Tucker, look, I've called you to go in. I've never called you to come out. Go and give your life to serve and bless the people of the Congo. So that summer, they went back to the Congo. And November 4th of that 1964, Jay and Angeline and John and Melvin, we call them Cricket, and Carol were all taken hostage by rebel forces there in the Congo. They were held for three weeks, and finally the family was let go after three weeks of being held. It was a really scary time for them, but two days later, they came back and took Jay, along with a few other missionaries and priests and nuns that were in the area, and they held them at this mission. And it was a difficult time of difficult physical abuse. And each day as Angeline and the kids prayed, prayed for grace, prayed for God's wisdom, prayed for power, it was on Thanksgiving morning, that same Thanksgiving that I was up in Germany thousands of miles away, that she called to the mission to say, how's my husband? And the voice on the other side said, he's in heaven. They had beaten him and thrown him into the river where the crocodiles had eaten him. And she prayed, God, what are we going to do? I'm here with my three kids. I'm alone. We have no husband. We have no father. What do we do? And as she prayed, that very day, Belgian and American forces paratrooped in, rescued them, and flew them to Germany where we were. I remember really clearly, we were all gathered in a meeting like this. We just had praise and worship, and they brought Angeline and Tucker and uh, Melvin and, and uh, Cricket and Carol all up front. And they had us reach our hands toward them and pray for them. And I remember as the leaders prayed, God, strengthen this family who's lost their father, who's lost their husband. Give them wisdom. Give them courage. Comfort them. And at the end of that time, Angeline took the microphone and she said, I want all of you to pray that the blood of the martyrdom of my husband would be the seeds for a great revival in this region. That was her prayer in the midst of her own loss. But I have to admit, as a young kid, it was really scary for me. I had just spent a week saying, God, give me faith, give me courage, give me courage, give me faith. And then I hear this. And it actually started a season of my life filled with nightmares about crocodiles. I would dream night after night that I was being eaten by crocodiles. And I remember praying, God, please, I'm willing to serve you. I'll give my life for you. In fact, so much so that at nighttime as a young kid, I would stand at the threshold of my bedroom. And the light switch was right there. I would flip it off, and I would jump to my bed. Because I was sure if my foot happened to touch the ground, a crocodile would come out from under my bed and eat me. It was a scary time for me as a kid. I would lay in bed at night, and I would hear noise like, oh, no, it's the crocodiles. They're under my bed. You know, the enemy sent them here to devour me. Courage was a tough thing for me. And night after night, and every time I'd come to the altar prayer, I'd say, God, I want to have courage to die for you. Help me. I, I want to die for you. But God, give me courage. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know. You know. And then one night when I was praying, the Lord said, Wayne, it's great that you want courage to die for me. But I really want to give you the courage to live for me. 
I want you to be able to live for me. Have the courage to live a daily life to follow me. Amen? <laughs> courage is needed based on where our fears are. And our fears reveal where we need courage. If you want to know where you need courage, this isn't about spiders and sharks and snakes. This is about the fear that holds you back is really a fear that's in you. Afraid, God, what if you don't show up? What if it doesn't work? What if this doesn't come together? What if I can't pay that? What if this doesn't come through? What if that doesn't open up? Our fears reveal where we need courage. Whatever fear it is. In fact, one of the things I believe God wants to help us do this weekend is identify what is the fear that's holding me back from God's purposes. What is it that's keeping me from living life to the fullest of what God wants? He wants to give us courage in the face of that fear, whatever it is. In fact, the children of Israel have been given a promise. You're going to go in the promised land. And they sent spies and like, oh yes, look at this amazing land. Oh yes, look at this fruitfulness. Oh no, look at these giants. We can't do this. Oh no, we're not going in there. Oh no, we can't do it. And for 40 years, they never went into the promise of God. Why? Because of fear. As you come into 2020, there might be part of you who's like, you know what? Every year I come to this place, I make these goals, I look at these possibilities. They never happen. I give up. And God's like, no, I want to change that oh no to oh yes. Just like he did for the children of Israel. In fact, here's what he said to them and when they were preparing to go into the promised land. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and don't be terrified because of those giants. Why? We go back to our first point. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous. You must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You see, the key is rooted in God is with me. And when we root ourselves there, then the result is we overcome our fears. Let's go back to our passage from Isaiah 35. Here's the promise. It says, blind eyes will be opened. Deaf ears will be unstopped. Lame men and women will leap like deer, and the voiceless will break into song. Now, let me, let me unpack that for us here at Cathedral this weekend. Some of you are spiritually blind. You haven't been able to see what God has for you. You can't see the possibilities. You can't see what God's doing. And here's the promise. As we offer our fear to the Lord and receive courage, spiritually blind eyes are going to open. You're going to be able to see from a different perspective how God sees you, how God sees your circumstances, how God sees the future. Your spiritually blind eyes are going to be open. It goes on to say that deaf ears will be open. Some of you have been saying, I can't hear from God. I don't know what he has to say. I haven't heard from him. God, I need to hear. Here's the promise. Spiritually deaf ears are going to be opened. 
you're going to be able to hear. You're going to hear from God. You're going to hear what he has to say. You're going to hear his voice. You're going to know his heart. And he's going to say, be strong and courageous. Third thing, lame men. That doesn't mean mentally. It means physically. Lame men and lame women will walk. They'll leap like deer. Some of you have been immobilized and unable to take a step into God's purposes. You've been afraid to take the step of faith. And the promise is you're going to step. You're going to leap. You're going to move into this year with courage and with faith in your life. Amen? Here's the next part. The voiceless will speak. Some of you feel like, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. And God's like, I'm going to loose your spiritual tongue this year. You're going to be able to speak life and blessing. You're going to be able to speak the way for others. Because this passage says there is a highway of holiness. There's a way. There's a road. There's a path. There's a clarity of direction. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for years. But this promise says there's a highway prepared. There's a road cut through. There's a place for you. There's a direction. There's a destiny. There's clarity of purpose God has for you in 2020. Amen. Some of you are looking at 2020. It's empty. There's nothing there. I don't know. I don't see any possibilities. But here's what God says. Where there has been dryness, God's bringing springs of water. Where there's been lack, God brings provision. Where there's desert, God brings flowers. Amen? We receive the bounty of the blessing of the Lord. Let's look at the third point. The third point is this. The multiplication of courage. We give encouragement. You notice the word encouragement. God calls us to help bring courage to one another. In fact, in Isaiah 35, what we just read, here's what it tells us to do. It says, strengthen the hands of those who are weak. Help those whose knees give way. Tell those who are fearful, courage, take heart. God is here. He's right here. Notice what it says. We need to speak courage, life, strength into each other's hearts and life. In fact, here's the biblical principle. We speak courage, and that brings encouragement. Somebody comes to you and says, oh, no, you won't believe what happened to me. Oh, no, you can't believe how tough it is. And you have an option. You can say, oh, no, you're right. That's horrible. Oh, no, I hope that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> God wants to turn our all no to oh, yes. Someone shares either their struggle. It's real. It's painful. It's deep. And in that moment, we say, hey, I just want to take a moment to pray for you. Speak life and courage in you. Lord, you know the circumstance. You're here. You're with us. Would you strengthen? Would you bring courage? You see, we get a chance to do that. 1 Thessalonians 5 is a command that God gives us through the Apostle Paul when it says, encourage one another and build each other up. That's our job. Speak courage into each other. In Hebrews chapter 3, encourage one another daily. That's what he wants us to do. Now, if you come sneaking into service after it starts and you leave before it's over, ain't nobody going to be able to come alongside you and encourage you. I would encourage you, on your way to church, just offer prayer. Lord, there may be somebody I need to encourage today. Just let me be open to see. 
I'll look in their eye and I'll know that's the person I'm supposed to speak life over. That's the person I'm supposed to encourage. You see, most of us will never fight a battle on a battlefield and need that kind of courage. Most of us won't be thrown to crocodiles. But what courage really does look like is a family dealing with terminal cancer. It's a single mom raising kids. It's a child of divorce working through self-esteem and doubt and anger and questions. It's an employee struggling to figure out how do I deal with what's going on at work. Courage is what you need to live this year, and we need to be alongside each other, encouraging. In fact, as you know, I'm a runner. I love to run races, and my favorite is the marathon, which is 26.2 miles. And one of the great things about marathons is when you're running, there's all these people who gather to gawk at you on the sidelines. But sometimes they'd be encouraging, and they'll have signs that'll say, keep going, keep going. Or sometimes the signs will say, go, random stranger, Go. Sometimes the sign will be, hey, stop reading this sign and keep running. Here's another one that I love. If it was easy, everyone would do it. And here's a great one. You're running along and somebody says, you're beating all the people behind you. And then my favorite is this. Chuck Norris never ran a marathon. <laughs> it's so encouraging as you're running along. In fact, uh, once when I ran the Athens-Greece Marathon, it runs from the city of Marathon down to Athens. Now, it's the same distance, but it's 42.1 kilometers, and they don't speak English there, so they were all going, bravo, bravo, and they're like, something just built me up and gave me the courage to keep going. And then, then when I was in Paris, they yelled, courage, courage. It was like, have courage, keep going. There's something about that that's lifting when people cheer you on. But you know what's even better? Somebody running with you, alongside you. I've had some friends through the years who you run through mile 5 and mile 10 and mile 15 and mile 20 and mile 25 and mile 26 and 26.1 and 26.2. And they're right there saying, come on, we can do this. We can make this happen. God's with us. We can do this. Let's keep going. Just keep running. Breathe in, breathe out. Take another step. It's only 10 more miles. Be strong and courageous. Now, there might be some of you this weekend and say, Pastor Wayne, that sounds great. But I have to admit, I'm pretty discouraged coming into this year. When I look at what I'm dealing with, when I look at what I'm going through, there's part of me that's really overwhelmed. Would anybody have the courage to say, that's me, I'm, I'm pretty discouraged coming into this year. Dear, would you come join me right here? Come on down. Have the courage. Actually, you know what? When we were in worship, the Lord said you were going to be the one. And I prayed that every service, God would highlight a person that we're supposed to pray for. And right now, thousands of people are going to reach their hand toward you and pray for you. What, what's your name, dear? Crystal. Crystal. I'm going to invite all of you to reach your hands toward Crystal right now. We're going to pray for her. Lord, you know what Crystal's dealing with. You know her circumstances. You know how overwhelming it is. You know how frustrating. You know how scary it is. But Lord, you are with her. 
And you chose her in this moment for all of us to pray for faith to rise, for courage to rise, for strength to rise. I just ask you to bless her, encourage her, strengthen her. Let something inside of her realize that you are at work in ways she cannot see. You who started a good work in her will be faithful to complete it. And you're going to give her strength. You're going to give her courage. And you're going to help her to overcome all these circumstances. Bless her, Lord. Make her a target of your favor. And Lord, on behalf of everyone in this room who raised their hand, everyone who's struggling, we just speak life and courage into the discouraged. We speak hope into the downtrodden. We speak faith into those who have fear about what's about to happen. Lord, you are with her, and may this day something happen to turn the tide, turn deserts into flowers, turn dry places into fountains, turn hopelessness into hope, turn fear into courage. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise. I, I want to give this to you to take home, put somewhere to remind you that all these people prayed for you and that God is with you, Crystal. He's not forgotten you. Let's give God thanks and praise. That's our job, to encourage one another. You have no idea who walked in here feeling like it's hopeless, it's not going to work, there's nothing for me, it's empty, I don't know how I'm going to move, but here's what God says, you trust in me, I'm going to take those dry places, I'm going to make gardens happen. So let's look at the fourth point that comes from this passage. How do we position ourselves for courage? We fast and pray. To position ourselves for courage, we fast and pray. Here's a passage of scripture about Daniel. When he faced a moment where he needed courage, in chapter 10, it says this. At that time, I, Daniel, fasted for three weeks. And when I fasted, God said to me, don't you be afraid, friend. Peace. Everything is going to be all right. Take courage. Be strong. And even then Daniel says, even as God spoke, courage surged up within me. And then Daniel said, go ahead, let my Lord speak. You've given me courage. That's what happens when he fasted and he sought the Lord. <laughs> courage started to happen inside of him. If you look in the Bible, Esther fasted. Why? She needed the courage to deal with the situation. Elijah fasted and prayed, why? He needed the courage to confront something. Ezra fasted because he needed the courage to do what God asked him to do. That's why here at Cathedral, we've declared 21 days of prayer and fasting that starts today. From now, January 5th to January 25th, we're praying and fasting. Our prayer team meets every Wednesday night and every Friday night to pray, and we're asking you to join us. Now, you don't have to give up food 21 days. Even Daniel didn't do that. He ate vegetables and water, gave up meat. But God may just ask you to give up chocolate or meat or sweets or something. He may ask you to give up one meal a day or one meal a week. I want to encourage you to find a way to say, God, what should I give up? in these next 21 days. Now, again, you need to always check with your doctor before you do this kind of stuff. Maybe for you it's not giving up food. 
Maybe it's giving up social media or Facebook. I don't mean if you work at Facebook not to go to work. Maybe you're to give up speeding or elevators. But I want to ask you to ask the Lord, God, is there something I should give up during these next three weeks to press into what you have for me? In fact, the Bible tells us three reasons why we pray and fast. One is to humble our hearts. In Ezra 8, we read this passage, I proclaim to fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God. And when I come to fasting, I humble myself and say, God, you know the situation better than I do. You know the circumstances better than I do. You know why I don't have courage. I humble myself and ask for faith to root myself in your presence so I can have courage. The next reason is to seek the Lord. We read in Chronicles that Jehoshaphat proclaimed to fast to seek help from the Lord. This is the moment we say, God, I need your help for this year. I don't want to just set goals that are achievable by me, by being more disciplined. God, I want to believe for something impossible. I want to believe for taking territory that I've sort of let go by the wayside. Things I've given up on, I want to press in and believe. And then finally, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 17, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Fasting is for spiritual warfare. Because in that sense, we are in a battlefield, a spiritual battlefield. And as we follow the Lord by fasting and giving up something, we position ourselves for courage to turn oh no to oh yes. In fact, our passage today came from Isaiah 35. Just a few chapters later in that book, here's a word that God spoke because the people were fasting. And here's what he says. Because of your fast, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer, and will cry out for help, and he will say, here am I. Does this sound familiar? He's with us. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That sounds just like our passage. Why? It was part of fasting. In that moment when they fasted and prayed, God brought those flowers, those gardens, those springs, that healing. So not only do we stay rooted in God, his presence to have courage. As a result, we'll overcome fear. We multiply that courage by speaking life into each other. And then we put ourselves in that position by praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. Let me go back to this story about the Tuckers. When Jay Tucker was thrown to the crocodiles in 1964, he'd been a missionary for 25 years in that region of the Congo. And at that time, they had about 4,700 converts, people following Jesus. There had been a lot of people resistant to this message, resistant to the gospel. And there was especially in that region, the Mangbetu people who didn't want anything to do with it. Now, unlike us, we think we own land because we have a title and deed and we paid for it. Their basic understanding is this is our land. We are part of the land. This is our river. And the Bamakundi River where Jay was thrown was part of their territory. And there was a young man that Jay had led to Christ. 
This young man grew up, followed Jesus, ultimately became the captain of the police department there in Isido, where the Mangbetu people lived. And God used this captain of the police to share, look, this is your land, this is your river. There's a man whose blood flows through your river. You need to hear what he has to say. And because of that, they listened, revival broke out, thousands came to Christ, many were healed, people were even raised from the dead because the blood of the martyr became the seed for a harvest. You know that today, let me get the exact number, there are over 571,000 believers in that area. Why? Because someone had courage. Someone had the courage to have faith to do what God asked them to do. Now let me go back to my story a little bit. When I was a freshman in Bible college, it was the first Sunday of college, and I came to the altar to prayer, and while I was there in prayer, I heard the Lord say, go to Africa. <laughs> the nightmares about crocodiles came back. And even though I was 18 and mature and adult and in college, I would still get out of breath thinking about crocodiles. But I said, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want. And sure enough, two years later, I moved to Africa. And what an amazing time. The people were phenomenal. Their love for God, their worship, the opportunity to lead many to Christ. It was a powerful time of falling in love. The land, the jungles, the Victoria Falls, it was just beautiful. The animals, you know, elephants in the wild, hundreds of zebra would be next to your Jeep, and then all of a sudden they'd all take off running. It was so beautiful. Hippos and wildebeest, and it was just an amazing experience. And then one day, we took a cruise on the Zambezi River. Crocodiles. <laughs> Closest I ever came to wetting my pants. <laughs> but here's what happened. God turned my, oh no, I can't do this. Oh no, oh God, can I die for you? To, oh yes, God, I can live for you. I can see you at work. I can see what you want to do in my life. And that's what God wants to do for us this year. He wants to turn our, oh no, and to, oh yes, wherever fear has got you saying, oh no, oh no, oh no, God says, I want to give you the courage to say, oh yes. In fact, part of the message is this, be strong and courageous. Why? The Lord is with you. And the truth is, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. I don't know what you're facing, but God says, I want to give you the faith to believe for something supernatural this year. In fact, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. And I want us to do a moment of letting the Holy Spirit search us. What is the fear that's holding you back? Again, I'm not talking about spiders and snakes and sharks. I'm talking about what is the thing that's keeping you from moving into all God has for you? One of the problems is our desire for an easier life can keep us stuck in a smaller life than God intends. Let me say that again. Our desire for an easier life can keep us stuck in a smaller life than God intends. 
God has many services, many things he wants to do for us and in us. And some are easy and some are difficult. Some of the things that God has for us are suitable to our natural inclinations and to our material interests, and some are contrary to both. In some things we can please Christ and please ourselves, and in other ways we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. But the strength and courage to do all these things is given to us through Jesus Christ. His promise, relying on His grace, we relinquish everything to Him. And I'm going to ask you in this moment, if you can identify, what is the fear that's holding me back? What is the discouragement that's keeping me from courageously moving into this year? If you have something in your heart that you believe God's addressing, I'm just going to invite you to stand all around the congregation because we want to pray for you. Go ahead and thank you for having that courage. Yes, 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 yes. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Those of you who are standing asking for courage, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand with me. And then those of you who are seated, I'm going to ask all of you to get up and go lay hands on somebody with their hand up. If you see someone in the hand, go lay hands on them and pray for them. And we're going to join with them in prayer right now. That's right. If you're seated, stand up, go lay hands on somebody. And we're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, you know every person who's standing. You know every hand raised. You know every circumstance. In fact, you know it better than they do. Come to them right now in your name. Strengthen them. Let them know that you know their fear. But that fear points to what they need to know about you. You are their strength. You are their provider. You are their healer. You are all wisdom. You are all knowledge. You are with them. Lord, may you give a revelation of who you are. And we just come alongside and stand with each other and speak courage over each other's lives. Strengthened by your power. This is more than us being our best selves. This is being who we are in your power, in your grace. Bless your people. Encourage them. Show them your favor as we pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. Hallelujah. So I don't know about you. I don't know how empty you feel coming into this year. But I do have a word for you. God wants to take all those places that are dry and bring flower gardens. He wants to turn your difficulties, your places of lack into places of provision. He wants to turn your lame, your deaf, your blind, and he wants to give you understanding that he's for you. Just when you think, God, there's not enough for me, he says, oh yes, I have enough for you. Just when you think, God, I don't know what you're gonna do, but I'm gonna trust that you've got a plan for my life. I'm gonna turn my life to you, and I'm gonna say, oh yes, to courage in 2020, amen? So here's the truth. 2020 is a year of turning flowers and are turning a year of desert turning to flowers amen it's a year to know that God can do far more than you can imagine it's a year to have courage and turn your oh yes I mean your oh no to oh yes amen 
God has great things prepared for you. Things you can't even imagine, He's got prepared for you. He wants to give you the courage to face those fears and to see this be the most amazing year of your life. In fact, I'm going to invite you to join with me in praying a prayer. A prayer that will help us to experience that amazing favor of God and purposes of God. You'll see it on the screen. Let's pray it together. Here's what it says. Strengthen in me, O Lord, the commitment to regularly talk with you and to hear from you through prayer. As I present needs and concerns to you, O Lord, may I be content to leave the results to you. Help me understand, O Lord, that the power of prayer is not so much in what I pray about, but to whom I pray. Help me, O Lord, to understand that prayer is my personal responsibility, not something someone else can do for me. O Lord, increase my sensitivity to divine appointments to pray for and encourage others. May my present and eternal relationship with you, O Lord, be strengthened by continually keeping the line open with you day by day. May that come to pass in each of our lives. May God give us the courage to turn oh no to oh yes.